0: Blob Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of Red Leg Nation Radio, episode number 83. I'm your host, Chad Dotson of RedLegNation.com. With us, as always, uh, especially here recently, our good buddy Doug Gray of RedsMinorLeagues.com.
1: Doug, how are you doing this fine evening? Oh, pretty good, Chad, pretty good. Sitting here watching the Reds game, and now we get to talk about the Reds for a while. So, you know, if they can pull out a win, it doesn't get much better than that. That's right. What's what's better
0: than uh, watching the Reds and, and talking about the Reds? Um, you know, the Reds have had sort of an up-and-down season already, and, and the Reds are always a roller coaster, seems like, at least from our perspective as fans. Um, but they're they're on in first place at this time and, and on a pretty good run right now. Um, what are your thoughts about the Reds? Just really quickly, before we jump into sort of our agenda tonight, uh, so far are you, are you fairly happy with where we are, where things are going? Uh, any any quick thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think they're doing pretty well. I mean, they've had a little bit of up and down so far. You know, we got swept by the Pirates. That kind of sucks, but you know, stuff's going to happen throughout a 162 game season. But you know, I think that where they're at right now, you know, first place. They're on pace to win over 90 games, which it doesn't seem that way, being only three games over 500 right now. But, you know, it's a long season. And, you know, other than the injuries, which we're going to get into later, you know, their record's doing well. And it seems like all the guys that are playing, for the most part, are doing pretty well.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, I think a pretty good indication of how the Reds are doing so far. And there are, like so, they've been up and down. They They did get swept by the Pirates, which is never a good thing. Um, and there are some, you know, some things to worry about. I guess if you if you want to get worried, and a lot of people like to get worried early on. But to give a, a pretty good indication of why I believe that uh, things must be going okay is usually uh, on these uh, Red leg Nation Radio podcasts. I have a tendency occasionally to get off on a rant or two, and I just uh, I thought and thought and thought and couldn't come up with anything to rant about right now. So I think that's probably a pretty good sign.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, so, you know, if you really wanted to pick Knit, I guess you could find something about, you know, a move here or there. But, yeah, there hasn't really been any big thing to really go off on uh, through the first three weeks of the season. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Once Now that I've finally uh, recovered from my uh, Aranis Chapman not starting related funk, uh, let's jump into the one thing that's really sort of, you know, in terms of what we've seen the beginning of the season has been the storyline for the Reds. Uh, you and I both and, and a lot of people this wasn't a, a unique thought but you and I both before the season thought the really the only thing that could keep the Reds from being big time contenders this year would be injuries. Uh, they're they're fairly uh, well stacked to cover some uh, they got some depth in some areas but injuries by and large are something they didn't have to deal with last year and uh, we thought that'd be the one thing that could do them in. Well, of course, um and, and maybe it's just that I jinxed them by saying that so often in the the preseason but the Reds have had injuries to some key players. Sean Marshall, Zach Kozart, Ryan Hannigan's now on the DL. Uh, Sean Marshall and Hannigan are both on the DL, along with uh, Johnny Cueto. You may have heard of Cueto. And Ryan Ludwig. Hi, hi, hi. Cozart's not on, on the disabled list. Marshall Hannigan, Cueto, Ludwig, all on the disabled list. Cozart looks like he may be okay, uh, but he's gotten injured. And then, of course, tonight, Jonathan Broxton uh, gets, uh, gets hurt. We don't know what the extent of that's going to be. Uh, are the Reds just? Uh, can we say they're snake bit this year, or bad luck so far? What are your thoughts on all these injuries?
1: Uh, you got to say it's a little bit of bad luck. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, they've had little things here and there pop up, but it just seems that every other game somebody's getting something, you know, it's a concern for them. You know, Cueto goes down in, you know, the first month of the season. Ludwig goes down three innings in the first game of the season. Uh, you know, your main catcher is now on the DL. You know, Broxton gets hit by a line drive tonight. You know, it, it's just bad luck so far. It,
0: it has been bad luck. And let's just uh, briefly, let's run through uh, some of these. Sean Marshall, if I were going to find something to rant about, uh, and this would probably be it, uh, the way that Sean Marshall, that whole injury situation was treated. Basically, the Reds played... Uh, a man down. They played with a 24-man roster for uh, a week and a half of the season before finally putting him on the disabled list, using him for just one inning. Um, and, and the Reds have been known under Walt Jockey to, Jockey to play shorthanded like that and leave an injured guy on the roster for a, too long. It used to happen a lot with Scott Rowland, obviously. Um, so uh, that would be my rant, but I'm not going to get into that. But the fact that they don't have Sean Marshall on that bullpen really, uh, well, he's a valuable arm, and uh, he's maybe underrated in many – circles of Reds fandom. Certainly you don't want to listen to what they say when people call into uh, some of the talk shows, uh, radio talk shows. Uh, But around here, we love Sean Marshall, and uh, he's due to come back tomorrow,
1: I think. Uh, How much are the Reds missing him? Well, he actually pitched tonight for Louisville. Um, He started the game and threw 12 pitches. He looked really good. Um, But, you know, I didn't get any radar readings. Um, I was watching online. But the curveball looked really good. He threw 12 pitches and got two strikeouts in the first inning, the only inning he pitched. Um, I actually had heard earlier this afternoon that the Reds wanted him to go back-to-back days before they were going to bring him back up to the big club. So I'm not sure if they're going to have a pitch again tomorrow or if they're going to give him a day off between, you know, the game today and then try and get him two games in a row later this week. Uh, But he did look good tonight. And, yeah, like you said, you know, I think they're missing him a lot. I mean – they're going to, you know, Manny Parra as the lefty end of the bullpen instead, and that, that's a very big downgrade. Um, not only okay. because Sean Marshall's really, really good, but Manny Parra is—he's solid, average at best, and you know he's not really at his best at all times with such a high walk rate that's followed him around for his entire career.
0: Exactly, and Marshall's a guy that you can trust in these late game situations, the high leverage situations. You don't want Manny Parra in those situations. Now, uh, one thing that may compromise what their plans are with respect to Marshall and whether they decide to bring him back quicker depends on what happened with uh Jonathan Broxton tonight. I guess he took a line drive uh and uh off his uh, off his hand I guess I couldn't really tell where it hit him. Um, and if he's injured maybe you know that's another guy into the bullpen back there that uh, the Reds are gonna be down. They may have to rush Marshall back a little quicker than they thought. Uh did you see what
1: happened to Broxton tonight? I mean to me, it looked like it hit him off of his pitching hand. Um, he kind of tried to, you know, sidestep the ball, but you know, he's such a big guy, he couldn't really get out of the way. Um, and when he was leaving, you could see him flexing his pitching hand, um, which I mean, I guess that's kind of a good sign. You know, if he had broken something, I don't think he'd be flexing his hand repeatedly as he was walking off of the mound. But I guess you kind of never really know with these things until you get the X-ray or MRI, depending on what exactly it is you're looking for.
0: Well, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Jonathan Broxton necessarily, but uh, he's a guy that the Reds are counting on at the back of that bullpen, and uh, having him hurt along with Sean Marshall not being available, uh, that sort of frightens me a little bit because you'll have Chapman back there and not a whole lot else, although you know, I would probably trust Sam LeCure uh, in some of those situations, but you'd rather not have to. Uh, that's You're, you're starting, starting to get into dangerous territory there. Uh, Zach Kozart, good report on him. They're talking about he might be back before long and, and it's important that he is back because the Reds really don't have any uh any depth at the shortstop position, at least not the at the major league ready level, uh, do they?
1: No, I Zach Kozart's actually playing tonight, so he seems to be back and I guess it, at the very least he's healthy enough to play. Um but yeah, I, I think that when he went down, that was the biggest concern for me, even more so than Johnny Cueto who, you know, is an absolute stud, but you know, they had Tony Cingrani to come up and fill in the position. If Zach Cozart goes down, I really don't know what they would do. I mean, they'd have to play his tourists or maybe bring up Jason Donald from AAA, and neither one of those guys are starting caliber players or anything remotely close to it, in my opinion, uh, especially at shortstop. Um, So it's good that he's back because I I just the downgrade is really far from Zach Cozart to the next guy in line.
0: Well, that's exactly why I brought it up, and and certainly thankful that he's in the lineup uh, tonight. Uh, but of all the positions we have, and it's not like Cozart is hitting the ball very well. And frankly, he's not hitting the ball uh, that well. He's solid defensively, but uh, the the distance between him and the, the Cesar is tourists of the world. That's a huge gap. So, so I agree with you. I think that uh, the Reds are fortunate and, and may have dodged a bullet there, because I, I don't want to think of the idea of you know Cesar is tourists in the lineup for for six weeks or something like that if uh, if Cozart was hurt. Now, obviously we've talked about Ryan Ludwig. Let's actually go ahead and, and, and talk about him just a little bit more because now we've got a little bit more of a sample size, still a small sample size. But Chris Heisey has uh, really gotten the bulk of the play in time, although Xavier Paul has played some, obviously, out there in left field in Ludwig's absence. What are we to make about uh, Chris Heise and, and what the Reds are going to do with that left field position since Heise has struggled so mightily this season?
1: You know, I think that, you know, the Reds went the right way with, you know, giving Heise this chance um, and, you know, like the chances he's been given in the past, he's just really struggled, you know, when given the opportunity to play every day. Um, if I were making the decision, I'd really be looking toward giving Xavier Paul more time. Um, you know, his career in the major league isn't really good, um, but he's always hit the ball well in AAA, and it seems that when he came up to the majors, you know, before he got with the Reds, that the biggest thing is when he got to the majors, he had no plate discipline anymore, and he'd always shown it in the minor leagues. And it seems that the last two years with the Reds, you know, he's showing better plate discipline and controlling the strike zone better. And he's been hitting well, uh, you know, with the Reds. And, you know, small sample size, of course, he's got, you know, 125 plate appearances. But, you know, unlike Prasazi, he's always hit, you know, in the minor leagues and at Triple A. AAA, so I wonder if maybe, you know, he just isn't one of those guys who didn't figure something out a little bit later on and you know, maybe try and catch lightning in a bottle for, you know, a few months and, you know, see if you can have him hold over the position, you know, at least seventy seventy five percent of the time, uh, until, you know, Ryan Lovley can maybe get back and, you know, step back into the starting lineup.
0: Yeah, you know, I like Chris Heisey, and I've liked him for a while, and I'm very happy with Heisey as a fourth outfielder that can fill in and really at all three positions in the outfield and uh, can pinch it a little bit, and uh, I'm, I'm happy with Chris Heisey. But you got to say, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this particular point uh, when we talk about Devin Mesoraco here in just one moment. Uh, when these opportunities come, even, yes, small sample size, whatever, The the fact of the matter is the reality of the situation is when these opportunities come you've got to grab it, and Chris Heisey has uh, done anything but grab it. You know Heisey he's one for four tonight so far, but his average as of as we're uh, recording this right now one seventy nine batting average two zero three on base percentage two sixty nine slugging percentage, and that's uh, Wilson Valdez esque, Um, maybe Willie Harris esque would be a better uh, term. Not to bring up a couple of uh, names. sort of a blast from the past there, but Heisey has not gotten the job done. And you look at Xavier Paul and, you know, again, we're just talking about twenty four plate appearances for the guy over thirteen games, but, you know, he's hitting two ninety two, is OPS S seven fifty. Um I think you're right. Uh Heise sort of had a chance and you don't want to banish him to the bench I guess based on small sample sizes, but Heise's never particularly performed well when he's had a chance to play every day and um I like the term you use, lightning in a ball. Maybe you catch it with Xavier Paul. He, you know, he's not going not gonna to hurt the Reds uh, out there, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him get um, many more plate appearances going forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think Chris Heisey's certainly better than he's played this year, but you know, he's been one of those guys that you know, even when he's on his hot streaks, they last for a week and they'll go into a slump, you know, for two, three weeks at a time. I, I think that it's just that part of his game. He's a big swing and miss kind of guy, and I, I think that, you know, right now he just hasn't been slinging the bat well since the start of the season, and, you know, because he doesn't have any larger sample size to build on, his numbers just look really, really bad at this point. Um, and I, I think that, you know, maybe the Reds need to look at, you know, just the situation to try and get a few other guys, a few more plate appearances in there, because I think that all of the guys are, you know, quality defensive outfielders, so you're not taking – Step back, really. If you put any of those three guys that they have in the outfield, you know, over there in left field, um, so you know, maybe it's fine. yeah. I agree.
0: I think that the Reds be fine, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. The Reds need to get some kind of production out of that spot. We weren't expecting Ryan Ludwig to be a world beater in terms of his production in left field to begin with, but the Reds have to get something from those corner outfield positions, and uh, whether it's Chris Heisey or Xavier Paul, somebody's got to get the job done now. Uh, I just mentioned a moment ago Devin Masarocco. Let's go ahead and jump into his big opportunity here. You know, there were some complaints early on in the season. I know you had uh, been fairly vocal about uh, the fact that Masarocco was just not playing uh, early on, that Ryan Hannigan was playing uh, the lion's share of the the innings at catcher. And I think we probably need to say right off the top, and I think you feel the same way. I'll let you speak for yourself, but my opinion was – Hey, I love Ryan Hannigan, and then, I know he was struggling early on, uh, struggling mightily with the bat. Uh, you know, when he went on the on the uh, disabled list, he was hitting 079, uh, You know, OPS of 261. I mean, it doesn't get much worse than that. But you know, Hannigan play, calls a good game defensively, and uh, you know, I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind Hannigan playing. As matter of fact, I would let Han- would mind Hannigan playing sixty percent of the time. The problem was he was playing 90% of the time uh, here in the first couple weeks, and that's just, uh, it it wasn't working. Well, now he's gotten injured, unfortunately. We hope he gets back soon, but now's a chance for super prospect uh, Devin Miserocco to really grab the brass ring here, grab the bull by the horns, or let me think if I can come up with any other cliches to use. Uh, Not sure that I can, but it's Miserocco's chance. Is he going to take it?
1: I hope so. Um, you know, I've always been one that thinks that, you know, when you bring up young guys, rookie-type players, that they need to play at least semi-regularly. And, I mean, I wasn't even the biggest fan of how they had it last year at the 60-40 split, um, especially because for most of the season, Meserocco was playing, you know, two days or one day and then sitting for three days and he'd play a day. You know, he just wasn't getting any kind of consistent playing time. Um you know, last year he didn't start three games in a row all season. And then this year, you know, it was even worse. He was playing, you know, one out of five times uh, through the rotation. And it, it, he was hitting well. And he hit well in the spring. And it just seemed that, you know, Duffy or the Reds Brats or whoever was making the decision had decided that, you know, it was best for the Reds to go with Ryan Hannigan, you know, for 80 to 90% of the playing time. And I just didn't understand like the whole reason that you would have Neziraco sitting on the bench at that point, you know, you could have, you could have kept like a Miguel Olivo, if you wanted to play Ryan Hannigan that much. I just didn't understand it. And, you know, I don't ever want to see anybody get hurt, but I think that, you know, this might be the best thing for the Reds long-term because Neziraco is going to get a chance to play. He's going to get a chance to show off his skills and he's going to get regular consistent playing time that he probably wasn't going to get otherwise, you know, and I think that he's got a chance to show what he's got and earn more playing time than you know he was ever going to get a chance to get if Ryan Hannigan had been healthy and had been producing.
0: Right, and I think that you, that's exactly right. Um, and I think that the way you put it was perfect. Uh, this could end up being the best thing for the Reds. Uh, number one, we get Corky Miller back on the roster for a little while, and that's always a fun little distraction. Uh, but <laughs> but Miserica will get a chance to play regularly. And if he plays the way we think he can play, I know the Reds have been a little bit down on him, and uh, and ha certainly had his struggles last year. You pointed out some of the reasons why there may be some extenuating circumstances, but uh, right now he's hitting 300 uh, OPS, a, a shade over 800. Uh, that'll that'll get it done um, if he could could stay around there. I don't expect his average obviously to be that high, but uh, if he could OPS 750 to 800, uh, he's going to be a very valuable. Member of this team, and then when Ryan Hannigan comes back, and there's some sort of a more realistic split of playing time. If if Mesuraco's earned that, the Reds are in awfully good shape at the catcher position, uh, as we had hoped they would be. So, um, so you're going on the record saying you think that Mesuraco is going to impress uh, in this extended trial. Is that was that what I'm hearing?
1: That's exactly what I'm saying. Um, I, I'm a believer in the bat, and I think that if he gets consistent playing time, he's going to show that you know he's one of the better hitting catchers in baseball. So I'm on record. I guess you can hold me to that.
0: Excellent. We will. We'll call you on that. And I hope you're absolutely correct. Uh, big fans of Devin Meseracco here. You know, has joined us on uh, Red Leg Nation Radio. Just a, just a great kid and um, really, uh, really pulling for him. Um, and again, uh, I, I don't want to overestimate uh, what we're saying here because I don't want people to get the feeling that we're. Sort of down in Ryan Hannigan. Now, we're huge Ryan Hannigan fans. I am anyway, and I know I think I know that you are as well. Uh, just not sure that the way that the playing time was being apportioned was the best thing for the Reds. And uh, so, hopefully, hopefully, Ms. Rocco will uh, will make this. A, somebody, somebody mentioned they thought, well, he may uh, that Hannigan may get Wally pipped here. I'm not willing to go that far. I don't allege, but uh, well, I'm excited to watch Hannigan get a chance to perform every day. Now, another guy, and a guy that you can sort of let us know because you've watched him pitch a lot, I know, in the minors, um, another guy that's getting an opportunity with injuries, uh, to injury to Johnny Cueto specifically, is Tony Singrani, who came up and made his first uh, major league start this week. What do you think about Singrani? Uh, he it was sort of uneven in some ways, but uh, not a bad start for his first start in the major leagues, huh?
1: No, I actually was down at the game uh, and, you know, Coming into the season, we had the minor league preview on Red Lake Nation radio uh, right before the minor league season started. Uh, Me and Bill were talking, and my biggest concern with Singrani was the breaking ball and, you know, whether he can improve it or not. And he came out this year, and, I mean, it's just a completely different pitch. Uh, Last year, when it was a good pitch, it was, you know, 81 to 82 miles an hour and it had hard weight bite. But more often than not, it was just a really loopy, slider at, you know, 80 miles an hour that didn't have any break and, you know, it just wasn't a consistently good pitch at all. And that, it was really concerning for me, and that's why I wasn't sure that he could remain a starter. Well, he went down to Louisville after spring training, and you know, he was throwing a slider at, you know, 71 to 75 miles an hour, and he was able to throw it, at, throw it for strikes consistently with the same motion and break on the pitch every time. And it was really impressive to see just the amount of consistency that he had with that pitch. And while he didn't use it so much in his major league debut, I think that, you know, maybe he was a little bit nervous, you know, throwing that pitch to major leaguers. When he was in Triple A, you know, he was relying on that pitch very heavily and, you know, getting hitters out with it consistently. And I think that's a very good sign, you know, for his future as a starting pitcher because before, you know, he just didn't have that breaking ball that he trusted to throw, you know, when he needed to. And I think that it's a really big step forward for him. And, you know, I, I mean, I just think that, you know, he can be a starting pitcher now. I'm 100% convinced at this point that he can remain as a starting pitcher short of him just completely losing all feel for that pitch.
0: Well, those are encouraging words, certainly. And the thing I was worried about was if Singrani couldn't couldn't make the, the leap uh, to the majors this year if they needed him, uh, you know, we I've I've ranted again. We talk about my my patented rants, but the the holder a all this Chapman situation easy for me to say. Um, <laughs> and and I thought he should have been in the, in the rotation, obviously. And and one thing that concerned me was we have an injury. If some, Singrani doesn't perform, uh, the Reds are are starting to look thin all of a sudden. Whereas it could have been a big time um, strength if if Chapman is starting and had a guy like Leek, uh as your as your sixth starter. And then Singrani, uh, I agree. with you. I think Singrani looked pretty good. I think Singrani's got a chance, uh, you know, to make his mark. We talked about Mesuraco grabbing that uh, the bull by the horns and taking advantage of his opportunity. Singrani, very similarly, has a chance to uh, take over. Now, when uh, Johnny Cueto gets back, and we hope that sooner rather than later, Singrani, at this point, obviously, is the, the odd man out because uh, really nobody's pitching poorly now that Mike is looks like he's starting to turn it around a little bit uh, in his last couple of starts. Um, but it makes me much more comfortable with Chapman not being in the mix in terms of how the Reds are going to be able to withstand uh, any other injuries for the rest of the season. And the real deal.
1: Yeah, I think the only concern that I'd have is he's he's been a little bit wild with the fastball this year. Uh, he's been leaving it up a lot more often than he has in the past. But he's also throwing it a lot harder than he has in the past um, so, you know, he can get away with a little bit more, but yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think that, you know, with what he's shown so far this year, you know, the Reds have to feel pretty good about their starting pitching depth, even with Cueto, you know, on the DL right now, um, you know, Mike Leake had a really strong start tonight. Um, and I, I just, I think that, you know, they have to be pretty comfortable that, you know, even though they went the way they did with the roll to Chapman, that, you know, as of right now, they've got six guys that they can rely on in the starting rotation once Johnny Cueto comes back.
0: Yeah, you're right. Leek, you know, did have a strong start tonight, and his last outing was a, a very strong one as well. So, so all of a sudden, Leek's looking like the guy that uh, we had hoped he uh, would, you know, would be in terms of making that step to the uh, next level. His ERA is down to 3.81, I believe now. Um, certainly, after a limited number of starts—only four starts—but but not bad. Uh, Homer Bailey has looked awfully good uh, for most of the year. Uh, the guy that really is blowing me away and looks like the ace of the staff all of a sudden. Matt Latos is looking very, very good early on, isn't
1: he? Yeah, I mean, I remember the first time I got a scouting report on Matt Latos. Oh, man. I was talking to a scout friend of mine who was covering the Midwest League, which is, League that the Dayton Dragons plan. And he told me that when Matt was 19 that he was going to be a future all-star. And I never forgot that because it was one of the first times I'd really gotten a report that was that glowing from a non red player. And, you know, I I feel that this is a year that he can really take that next step and become, you know, not just an All-Star, but I, I really think that this could be the year he could become a full-on ace pitcher and, you know, separate himself from a large group of guys that are on the on the fringe of being a number one, number two kind of guy. My
0: guess is that Harold Reynolds on the MLB Network will probably say that he's uh, not very good because he doesn't have a win yet. Uh, (laughs) But but Latos has been spectacular. And the thing that's going to – every time we mention Matt Latos this season, you're probably going to hear me giggle like a schoolgirl because of one number, 25, the guy's age. He's 25 years (laughs) old. He's already this good. The Reds have him under control. Oh, man, Uh, if Reds fans aren't excited about watching this guy pitch the next few years, uh, I don't know why you're watching baseball. Just a ton of talent. Uh, the other end of that spectrum is a guy who is, I think he turned 78 this year, Bronson Arroyo. And, you know, Arroyo's <laughs> been Arroyo this year. Uh, he's been adequate. Uh, he's the, the king of of, of, of adequacity. Um, I don't know. Uh, if Arroyo can just be decent like he has been, man. That, and Leak continues to pitch well like he has the last couple starts, all of a sudden this looks like, even without Cueto pretty good, but once you get Cueto back, this looks like the best rotation in the league to me.
1: Yeah, there's plenty of pitching talent on this team. I mean, the one guy, you know, that anybody should have really been concerned about coming into the year is Mike Leak, and as you noted, you know, it's early, but he's got a 3.81 ERA, and you know, I, that's just I don't know if that's the worst pitcher on your team. You're doing really, really well, especially in this ballpark. Um, uh, this, this team's depth is it, – it's really something.
0: Yeah, if that's, if, if, that's the, if that's your number five star, that's what a lot of people need to remember. Leak is, you know, supposedly the number five star. Of course, I guess with Singrani, maybe that changes uh, temporarily, but um, – as your number five starter, there are a lot of teams, and I've seen some uh, other scouts, uh, I've read some other scouts uh, and other uh, coaches and, and on other teams say, you know, Mike Leek would be our number four starter on our team, or, or even better. So uh, Reds fans love to complain about Mike Leake. Uh He's taken over a little bit as a whipping boy from Homer Bailey, uh, who has gotten a little bit of a reprieve since the no-hitter last year. Uh, but Leak's a good uh, 25-year-old fifth starter. So, you know, I'm I'm pretty excited about uh, what that rotation can do this year. Also uh, exciting is the fact that our guy Joey Votto, uh, finally, it, it, Joey Votto has stunk all season. He's been one of the worst players in the major leagues. Finally this weekend he started hitting. Now, is there anything wrong with what I just said?
1: Oh, just about everything, yeah. Um... <laughs> No, I, I know you were joking. and I'm sure all the listeners know you are joking. But, you know, we have heard those things from other fans. Um, I don't know what they were thinking when they said it, but they have certainly said it uh, both on message boards and websites and on the radio. Um, but I don't know about you. I was never concerned about anything Joey Votto was doing. You know, the guy is one of the best hitters in baseball, and he has been for years you know, I didn't see any reason to be concerned because he had gone, you know, what, two and a half weeks without, you know, hitting a home run. Woo! If that had happened in the middle of July, nobody would have noticed it at all. It just happened that it was the beginning of the season and so everybody started freaking out about it.
0: Well, and that's it. That's exactly what it was. Well, and that on top of the fact that he was injured at the end of last season and he didn't hit with much power at the end of the year, although he was still productive, he didn't hit with much power. And so, uh, you know all the conspiracy theorists are, are, are trying to claim that it's his uh his knee still hurt and just I don't know, I'm looking at a guy who's getting on base, you know, fifty wells he getting on base over fifty percent of the time. Uh on base percentage still over five hundred. And uh and thinking, this is a guy that we're we're worried about, that that people are really seriously concerned that uh you know, he's not uh he's not producing. Just really uh, amazes me. Uh, well, so he has a couple of good games, hits a couple of home runs, and uh, you know all of a sudden his OPS is uh, over a thousand and all is right. And, and, and what a lot of the, uh, the the people who were complaining saying he wasn't doing very well were really hung up on the fact that he only had a two hundred sixty four batting average or whatever at its lowest. Uh, well, he's back over 300 where he where he needs to be. Um, he's still getting on base over 50% of the time. His slugging percentage is back over 500. You know. There are a lot of things wrong with this world. There are a billion things in my life that concern me more than Joey Votto uh, because there are very few things in this world that are sure, and one of those is that Joey Votto is going to have a good approach, that Joey Votto is working to get better, and that Joey Votto is going to hit this season. Unless he's injured, Joey Votto is going to hit. So I couldn't muster up the energy to worry about Joey Votto just because he hadn't hit a, a home run in a little while. Uh, and so, but I guess if people want to say Joey was back, if you want to say that, fine. But you look at his numbers now, and all of a sudden, this is the Joey Votto we expected. And, and you know, the Reds have scored more runs than anyone in the major leagues uh, going into tonight. Uh, now, if Joey Votto
1: really starts pounding the ball, uh, how good can this offense be? Pretty good. I mean, especially with a guy like Chew at the top getting on base that often for a guy like Joey Votto, you know, (laughs) just look out. I mean, this team, I mean, looking at the box score right now, you know, everybody on the team outside of, you know, Zach Cozart and Chris Isey has an on-base percentage, you know, 337 or higher. That's getting it done. You're going to score a lot of runs getting that many guys on base.
0: And that's what's been different from uh from past versions of the Reds is that they have been getting on base, and you mentioned the guy and, and we'll probably talk about him every week because I'm continually amazed by Shin su Chu. this guy has been everything Reds fans could hope for, and much 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 more been by far the most productive hitter uh, on the Reds uh, club so far, just getting on base, scoring runs, hitting for power um you know got three home runs just there's nothing not to like about Shin Su Chu. Uh, even tonight he's over two, uh tonight, but he's he's drawn a couple of walks. Um and it just changes everything about this lineup. When you think about it, and I'm gonna mention Drew Stubbs and I hesitate to do that because he's become such a whipping boy for Reds fans. I I'm I'm a Drew Stubbs fan and I've always uh, appreciated what Drew Stubbs brought to the table. It never hit as well as we'd all hoped. But the one thing about it is when you got Drew Stubbs and Zach Coes up near the top of the lineup, you're not got a lot of guys on base for your big boppers. And Shinsu Chu's not only getting on base, but he's just uh, been magnificent. So um I'm gonna be sad to see Chu go after one year if, if as they everyone says, uh, he's gone at the end of this one year because and again we're only talking about, you know, eighteen, twenty games or something, but man, he has just uh, he's blown me away. He's hes become a fan favorite in shorter time than anyone since, I don't know, uh, Chris Steins or somebody uh, back in the day. Probably a little before your time
1: there. Well, I remember Chris Steins, but, yeah, you know, Q has just been such a difference maker for this lineup. And, I mean, even if the Reds hadn't had a Drew Stubbs kind of player at the top of the lineup, what Q has done has just been unbelievable, you know, He's hitting the ball, he's hitting for power, and, I mean, what's he got now? Ten hit-by-pitches, and he's drawing walks at a pretty good rate, too. I mean, the guy is just getting it done at the plate. No matter how you could possibly get it done, he's doing it exactly that way and better than just about anybody else in the league at this point. I mean, Clearly, he's not a guy who can get on base 50% of the time over the long haul of the season, but, you know, his – career suggests 40% of the time is about where you where you should expect and you know that's a difference maker for this team uh, putting him at the top of the lineup it, it just really makes such a big big difference for this team compared to teams in the past few years uh, with the rotation of player after player after player who couldn't get it done at the top of the lineup having such professional and good hitter that they can put in number one day in and day out you know it's it just stabilizes the entire lineup.
0: Well, it's a legitimate all-star caliber player uh, at the top of the order, and it's something the Reds haven't had. And, and kudos to Walt Jockney. I've complimented uh, and, and praised him a number of times for that acquisition. Uh, he's, he's a legitimate player. He's a guy with a higher on-base percentage than Joey Votto right now, as much as we've been talking about how, much, how well Joey Votto's been doing in terms of getting on base. Uh, higher right now than, than, than Votto. Now, anything else you can look at, uh, Point to is saying, hey, you know, here's another reason why this offense is rolling uh, right now. Uh, I, I think about a guy like Todd Frazier who's continuing to hit, hit the ball well. Uh, but anything else, uh, Frazier, anybody else you want to talk about that are uh, contributing mean, to the fact that this is the most prolific offense in the majors? Uh,
1: really, I think it's just, you know, the entire offense outside of, you know, the guys we've talked about with Kozart and Heisey, they're all hitting the ball well. Um, like I I said earlier, everybody's getting on base and they just keep the lineup moving. Um, I mean, Brandon Phillips, you know, he's over four tonight, but coming into tonight, you know, he had been killing the ball with runners on base. And, you know, with guys like Bado and Shue ahead of him, there have been a lot of guys on base for him. You know, and he was cashing in on opportunity after opportunity. Um, And I I just think that, you know, having this many good hitters all in a row, you know, it, it makes a big difference. Pitchers aren't getting a rest at any point throughout the lineup. Um, You know, we're getting to people's bullpens pretty quick, too, and, you know, that always helps because clearly they're in the bullpen because they're not as good as the starting pitchers are. Uh, And I I think that, you know, that's just we're seeing more professional hitters throughout the entire lineup at this point than we've seen in a long time. And, you know, it's just compounding night after night, and all of these guys are just working together as a team, which, you know, they're working the pitchers, and they keep the line moving. Everybody's getting on base, and it just keeps everything going forward.
0: And what's kind of scary is we've sort of made fun of the fact that Joey Votto's back. When I don't know, think he really actually went anywhere. Joey Votto's been fine. But something that is kind of scary is this is an offense that has largely done without a catcher, any production whatsoever from the catcher's position. But scarier is. Jay Bruce he hit his first home run tonight, and maybe he's starting to heat up. And we all know what happens when Jay Bruce gets hot. It lasts for a couple of weeks, and it's historic heat. But Jay Bruce has not really been Jay Bruce so far this year. So if he comes around, that's an added dimension that this offense could actually get even better.
1: Yeah, I mean Bruce has been. I mean, you know his batting average has been fine this season, but you know he hasn't been hitting for the power. Um, you know, lots of strikeouts so far, which I think should be I, – I wouldn't be too concerned about it at this point. I'm not. Um, but, you know, he is leading baseball in strikeouts right now. Um, but, yeah, if if this is the third of him going on a tear, you know, I do not want to be any of the teams that are going to be playing Cincinnati anytime soon.
0: Yeah, really. With, you know, most runs scored in the majors – with uh, without without Joey Votto hitting for a ton of power until recently, and without Jay Bruce being uh, Jay Bruce, so uh, you know there are some things to be concerned about. The injuries, obviously, um, uh, and, and and what we've seen out of Hanigan uh, has not been good. But golly, the fact that uh, we have just finished talking about how the Reds' rotation looks pretty good, and uh, and then we talked about how their offense is clicking so much, even with the injuries. Uh, it, it makes you start to think, yeah, the Reds are in first place barely, and they've not started uh, exceptionally well. 11 and eight's not great. Uh, hopefully it will be 12-8 and 8 after night. But you start thinking that the sky's the limit for this team. If everything really c- uh, can click over the next couple months, um, this team could be really I – and mean, we always thought it, but now that we're seeing it happen, they really could be a, a very, very good team, couldn't they? They
1: could. And, you know, it's kind of scary to think this team won 97 games last year And I really don't see, you know, looking top to bottom on this roster, why they shouldn't be better than that this year. And last year's team was really good. Uh, You know, they kind of had some issues in the playoffs. But, you know, they won 97 games. And I think that this team is, you know, significantly better than that team was. You know, even with losing Ryan Ludwig. You know, if Johnny Cueto can come back, you know, in, I don't know, what is it, a week and a half? Uh, maybe two weeks, three weeks from now, you know, I, I think this team is going to be better than they were last year unless, you know, some significant injury happens, you know, beyond that point. Um, you know, this team is really, really good. And, you know, I think the Reds fans really need to, you know, savor it because, you know, Bronson and Royal Leaves at the end of this year and you don't really know how things are going to go after that. Um, if Shin if is going to be gone at the end of the year, I really think this could be one of those special teams, you know, if things go just right for everybody.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree. Things And things do have to go right. We do have to get some bad guys back from injuries. But if the Reds can get some of these guys back uh, from injury, um, well, I said before the season I still believe this, this could be the best team in the National League as well. And how often have we been able to say that over our lifetimes? Now, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a couple years older than you, so uh, – <laughs> I've been able to say it maybe a time or two more than you, but not much, because really we weren't around for the, the Big Red Machine days. And so uh, it's been 1990 and, uh, you know, obviously 95, and uh, a little bit of competitive uh, baseball here and there, but uh, this is something new for a lot of Cincinnati fans. And you and use the correct word, savor it. You know, listen, let's, let's try to enjoy this and uh, we're going to complain about our things, and they're gonna, I'm going to have a rant every other week on here about something dumb that Dusty Baker's done, or I don't know. I, I'll rant about dumb stuff, uh, whether I should or not. But we really do need to enjoy the fact that this is a legitimately good baseball team. It's not a team that sort of can hope to compete if everything falls right. They're good top to bottom. And... Um, and, we, and, and they match up with anyone in baseball, as far as I'm concerned, and it just it blows my mind that we can say that. Just a few years removed from the Willie Tavares, uh, Corey Patterson years, it, uh, it's not that long ago that we had Jimmy Haynes starting on opening day, so enjoy it, Cincinnati. I, I'm begging you, um, I'm begging, uh, just enjoy this because it is it's going to be a fun ride. I'm really excited about what we got over the next few months. Um, Doug, let me ask you quickly, if we could, maybe let's, uh, we're not going to go too much longer here tonight, I don't think, but um, what can you tell us about what's going on in the minor leagues here, uh, the first uh, first part of the season? Anything interesting? Any storylines the Reds need to be, fo- uh, the Reds fans need to be following?
1: Well, the biggest name, of course, is Billy Hamilton. Um, Who? He's I, not I hitting very well. don't know that I've ever heard <laughs> of him. Uh, he's just really fast out. He stole a few bases last year, I don't know. But, uh, no, he's he's not really doing well at the beginning of the season. He's in a big slump right now. Um, He's hitting under 200 over his last 12 games. Um, Most of his struggles have come from the left side of the plate, which, you know, that's the the newer side to him. Um, For those who don't know, he picked up switch hitting uh, when he got drafted. Uh, And so that's not really been something he's worked on for his entire life. Um, Last year, you know, he really took some steps forward from the left side. Um, And, you know, it was his breakout year. He hit really well all season. Uh, This year I I feel like he's taken a step back and he's doing some of the same things from the left side that he was doing, you know, before last year. Um, And hopefully he can break out of that and get things going in the right direction. But right now he's really struggling uh, not only to get on base but, you know, to hit the ball with any kind of authority. And even with all of his speed, you know, he's still got to be able to put the ball into the outfield and right now he's just really struggling from the left side, and that's the side that he's going to hit from most of the time given that most pitchers throw right-handed.
0: Well, that's a guy that uh, we talked a couple of times here about uh, Shin Soo Chu leaving at the end of the season, and, hey, that's the guy that they're counting on to take over center field. And so obviously still early, but a lot of Reds fans are going to be keeping an eye on, on Billy Hamilton. Um, anybody else down there that we need to sort of uh, – and, and we need to keep an eye on him because this guy is supposed to be at the majors next year. But anybody else uh, interesting to you down there in uh, in the minor leagues?
1: Well, Robert Stevenson. Uh, That's the guy I'm, I'm going to ask to, about. How's he look? Uh, he looks great. But if you look at his ERA, he looks horrible. Um, you know, he struck out, you know, I think – I mean, let me check But. You know, he struck out a lot of guys so far this season. And his ERA is I don't know, it's over seven at this point. That doesn't you know, sound very good. No, and the big problem is is every time a guy has put the bat on the ball, it's gone for a hit. You know, he's got twenty seven strikeouts and six walks and seventeen point one innings. I mean he's clearly overmatching batters right now. But, you know, he's got an ERA, okay, so it's six point two three at this point. Uh You know, guys are hitting 500 when they put the ball in play against him. And, I mean, it's just – I've watched two of his three starts so far, or two of his four starts so far, and it just seems like if the batter went out there and placed the ball where they wanted to, they couldn't do it any better than where they have actually hit the ball to. They're not hitting the ball hard off of him. It's just one of those situations where every ball is, you know, right out of the reach. It's laid perfectly into the grass right out of the field of glove. And, you know, I, I just – he's been dominating. And he's just had some of the worst luck on balls and play I've seen in a long time. Uh, but the stuff looks really good. Um, he's been a Fast little wild. Fastball is good this year? Fastball really good. Um, I saw him pitch on Saturday night. And, you know, he's topping out at 97, um, mostly sitting 94 to 96. And, you know, it was a cold night. It was in the 40s. And it seems that he's the only guy, so far, for the Dragons that has been you know anywhere where anywhere near what you'd expect his velocity. Everybody else has come in much slower than where you'd expect, just because it's been in the 30s and 40s for most of the season so far. But uh, you know, like I said, he's only he's got six walks in 17 innings. But honestly, I think that his control has been a little bit worse than that. He's kind of struggled to locate the breaking ball from time to time, um, and I, I think that that's been the one thing that you want to watch for with him. But you know his stuff is just so electric that, you know, I think that he really could be a fast riser. Um, you know, probably not this season, but I think we could see him at some point next season. You know, if he gets on a roll and you know takes that just that next step forward with his control.
0: That's exciting! Uh, exciting stuff. So we'll check in again uh, in the weeks to come with what's going on in the minor leagues, and obviously go to RedsMinorLeagues.com. Uh, every day where where Doug's covering uh, what's going on in the minor leagues uh, in more depth than you will find anywhere else on the interwebs. Doug, anything else on your mind this week?
1: Uh, Let's hope we can pull out this game that's in the 11th inning right now, Uh, but other than that, I think we covered just about everything.
0: Yeah, I think it's a pretty good uh, run through on what's going on with uh, with the Reds so far, and and uh, it's an uh, exciting time to be a Reds fan, even with some of the struggles they've had at times. Uh, getting, as we said, swept by the Pirates, that wasn't a good thing, but lots of reasons to be optimistic. And, and I'm not always optimistic. I will concede, but I am right now. Uh, Doug, appreciate you joining us tonight.
1: Well, Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, well, you know, usually it's you doing the hosting and I'm uh, in the other chair, and so we're switching it up a little bit tonight. Uh, Doug, I always enjoy talking to you. Uh I hope you all will uh, will uh, go subscribe to the podcast. You can subscribe via iTunes and uh you can go to redlegnation.com uh, and and go to com for for links to to the podcast. Subscribe to it uh, via iTunes or RSS and um you know, uh follow us every week so it automatically downloads. Day to day you want to want to visit Red, redlegnation.com, visit com for uh you follow those two sites, listen, you're going to be have a uh, knowledge of everything that's going on in the Cincinnati Reds organization. Uh, follow Doug uh, on Twitter at DougDirt24. Uh, let me ask you, DougDirt24, is there some story behind that?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, well, the 24 is for King Griffey Jr. Um, there we go. DougDirt24 actually evolved from my AOL listed messenger name uh, at some point in the mid-'90s. Um, but, yeah, and it's just it's just been something that I've stuck with since then, so
0: it's carried on okay. over. Well, I wasn't trying to put you on the spot there. I'm glad it wasn't some sort of an embarrassing story. Uh, after I asked that, I thought, oh, I should have probably asked him that off air. Um, but you can follow Doug on Twitter at DougDirt24. Uh, you can follow me at DotsonC, D-O-T-S-O-N-C. Follow Redleg Nation at Red Leg Nation. Um, it, it's been fun talking to you once again. Uh, for Doug Gray, this is Chad Dotson saying, So long, everyone.